kind of very interested in your career and mm-hmm. also other areas, but uh, mainly I would want to focus on pre-composition. So first of all, I probably want to ask what is pre-composition. Oh. No, this is a question you should <laughs> <laughs> tell me. No, pre-composition. This is interesting. Um, well, it's, 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 your, it's your research. Um, okay. I think we can all agree that composition doesn't take place out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Just that, which is very, very rarely. Yeah. Most, most, most of all, it's, it's based on concepts and ideas. And in order to work out the vision of a composition, uh, at least for me, yeah. and, and also some other people from history, it seemed necessary to uh, get to know your material, or better, find your material, or more precisely, to construct your material. Mm-hmm. And this is what pre-composition means. So this is something that is before the composition, yeah. but it's also composition and work where you start to, to yeah. model and form material maybe this is a mm-hmm. one aspect of precomposition. Yeah. So and it's not, not only the material, what is the material? The material is not only the mm-hmm. the sounds or the harmonies or the uh, the other parameters but mm-hmm. it's also the, the procedures how you how things uh, become form mm-hmm. or how they uh, um, emerge into a composition. Yeah. How do you form the first ideas for a piece? Do you do research? Do you how do you get inspired? And how do you work on that? That's um, always different from, mm-hmm. from, from, from yeah. piece to piece. The one that I've chosen for you okay. is something where the pre-composition aspect is very clear. Yeah. It's, maybe it's not so obvious if you look at the score, but uh, as I have. Uh, it's a piece of music that is that has to do with some spiritual things. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of um, ideas and, and 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 concepts that, in order to understand, I I, I note it down. Mm-hmm. So there are, I have a lot of sketches that, that show the process how how it mm-hmm. came. But sometimes it happens um, in the last um, fifteen years yeah. that, that that music emerges by improvisation. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly with instruments or with instruments that I built. An instrument can also be a software. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it happens that it um, comes out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> as recently. Mm-hmm. So recently I, I, I uh, had uh, got a commission for writing uh, a sort of a piece for orchestra, a small orchestra, a baroque orchestra, mm-hmm. which had the function of uh, uh, a sort of intermission or let's say um, intervention into a, a baroque opera, mm-hmm. uh, which would be played in, in, in Japan, in Kyoto, mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in November. And um, when I uh, Study the score of the of the piece. The score is not an interesting piece. It's mm-hmm. it's very mediocre, yeah. but the concept is interesting because the concept of this opera is uh, deals with the with a Japanese uh, 
noble woman who converted to Christianity in the 16th century when the Portuguese monks came to the mission, missionary the, the, the country. And this is a true story. She, she did it um, uh, secretly. Um, and when her husband uh, found out that, that she converted to Christianity, um, he gave her uh, two choices, either to come back to the prison mm -hmm. or that he has to kill her. And she, of course, she um, did not convert, so she, she was keeping her faith and was uh, a murdered. And, and yeah. still nowadays she's a, a, a saint, mm -hmm. also in Japan, for non-Christian people. Yeah. So she's, a, a, she's an important figure, and the, the title of the opera is Muria Fortis, the, the strong woman. Mm -hmm. You must imagine, it was in the end of the 7th century, so they put uh, a woman uh, as a as yeah. a sort of hero mm -hmm. in an opera, and the opera was not an opera as we know it, a true composed opera, but mm -hmm. it was a sort of theater game, okay. uh, which had a certain tradition in Vienna. It was a Jesuit drama. The Jesuits are a, a Catholic yeah. order, mm -hmm. and um, they were very much into education until now. And they had a sort of school, a gymnasium in Vienna. And for this, um, for the uh, pupils, they wrote so called Jesuit plays, mm -hmm. which was a combination of a theater piece and with some musical elements. And one of those was this Moody Fortis. Mm -hmm. The main part of the opera is not an opera, it's a sort of. Mm -hmm. The main part, it, similar with, uh, with Perseno, yeah? Ah, yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what is the name of, of, of the opera? Uh, semi-opera. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is a sort of semi-opera. And, um, um, okay, we will do only the musical part of the opera, together with musicians from Japan mm -hmm. and some um, people from the MDB. Um, and then there was the idea that one contemporary composer from Japan writes a sort of um, Intervention, which is placed inside the, the Baroque music, and and one from Austria, that is me, yeah. should do another one. And um, when I got through the score and, and read the text, the libretto, mm -hmm. and and uh, I found the right spot, it's a sort of comment uh, what happened before in the opera. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that the the, the protagonist. The lady, her, her name is Hosokawa, mm -hmm. and her first name is Garasha. But as she was uh, became Christian, she changed her name to a, 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 a Christian name, and her name was Garcia. <laughs> Garcia Hosokawa. And Garcia, uh, with the capital G, um, was um, characterized by her um, uh, property. This was the constant. Constantia, the, 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 the staying in the face and not, not uh, with no deviation. Mm -hmm. and, and there is an allegoric figure in this, in this play called Constantia, and she sings an aria. Mm -hmm. And right after the aria, I uh, write, wrote this piece 10 minutes for uh, this, this Baroque ensemble mm -hmm. uh, with the name. Um, Constantia. 
and it really grows out of the end of the piece. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, mm -hmm. it, it uses the same tonality, it's not tonal, functional tonality, mm -hmm. but the, it, the, 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 this area is, is written in G major, and my piece starts from the from the fundamental yeah. um, point G, mm -hmm. and out of the G it, it develops in, in yeah. different sections, and, and there's always the tone G in the center, in, in different uh, costumes, so to speak, ah. and a sort of constant pulsation, which is also broken. But around this, a lot of um, harmonic things happen. <laughs> and this, this was done in 10 days. And, and I had to teach, I had to prepare a seminar. Yeah. I don't know how, how I was able to do it, but I was completely into this thing. Yeah. And it, it wrote it, it was written by itself. Yeah? Okay. It sometimes happens, sometimes it's a struggle and it takes yeah. months and years, not, not years, but months. Yeah? But so it's different. And, and with superstasis, it was very, it was very uh, synthetic. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So it usually depends on the idea, and do you rely on condition, uh, commission? Yeah, yeah. You start with the obligation from the commission, and that's the beginning of your. Can be at the beginning. Sometimes I have no commission. It, it, I do something yeah. freely, because I'm only uh, just uh, fascinated by mm -hmm. the Yeah. Then I I don't need this, and I, I can do completely freely. Mm -hmm. And in the last years, I was very often. Um, Directly inspired by, by, by using certain instruments. So you see, mm -hmm. have you seen that before? <laughs> These are toy pianos. <laughs> so I, I, um, well, was uh, for let's say ten years. I wrote a lot of lot of pieces for toy piano <laughs> <laughs> because the toy piano is it looks like a piano, but it's not, it's not a piano. It's okay. it's it's more a percussion instrument. And it's it's free of the um, notion of the piano. It doesn't tell the, the, the story mm -hmm. of the piano. Yeah. So the piano sounds. If you hit the one key on the piano, uh, it's not just the A. It's it's everything. It's Mozart and Beethoven yeah. and, and Stockhausen. And, but on the toy piano, the same note. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a gamelan, or it's I don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's it should not it should yeah. not Beethoven, no. Yeah. No. And, and it's a different uh, sound, it's not harmonic sound, it's, it has a lot of inharmonic um, inharmonicities mm -hmm. yeah. and this makes it more free and, and when I started to work with pianos, of course I did it with, not without having one, mm -hmm. so I asked the musician to give me a toy piano and then I was improvising yeah. many many weeks okay. and then I started to and uh, when you improvise, how did you form fully the material that you decide, okay, now I'm going to work on this with my mind? Yeah, it's, it's, there's not a general question, but yeah, okay. there's also some structured ideas. It's not just mm -hmm. free improvisation, mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, with some... Intention. Yes, the first, the first talk piano piece was based on the, on the eight-note scale. <laughs> it's messy on second note, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I just played it on the piano up and down, and, and noticed that it uh, sounded um, very fresh. And it, 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 it has no center, so it's it's always moving. Yeah. And then I started to record the scale, 
I wrote a computer program where the scale was over. I made a sort of canon out of the scale mm -hmm. with very slight uh, time variations of only a few cents. Mm -hmm. And then the canon, became, uh, in the beginning, it, it started completely synchronously. Yeah. And then the different uh, layers uh, mm -hmm. fell apart. And then it became uh, a very complex rhythmical pattern that emerged yeah. out of this. Yeah. And this was the beginning. And then okay. with this um, electronic, uh, sound or yeah. structure that I created, I was improvising along with it. Mm -hmm. Because you in this structure, you, there's a lot of things to discover, and I tried by listening to find out what, what I hear and, and yeah. could yeah. I react on that. And then I was improvising along with the tape, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it became a piece for um, toy piano and, and playback. Mm -hmm. Where the loudspeaker with the playback sound is inside the toy piano. So when the musician plays the piece, in the beginning it's it's the playback and no, and, and she just mimics on the keys. Okay. And then it's, and when the sound becomes stronger, she really plays notes. Mm -hmm. And by this, uh, the audience doesn't understand um, what happens. What happens. <laughs> It sounds yeah. like, like like she was doing everything, but it's impossible because it becomes very complex and very yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to look at the update, you find it on my website with with oh, okay. call and and uh, recording and videos. It's called Kalimba, mm -hmm. like the with K. Okay. Kalimba, like the African um, thumb piano, because oh, okay. this um, there's a tradition of this uh, sub-Saharan. Um, uh, playing of kalimbas in, mm -hmm. in an ensemble, yeah. where each one plays a certain pattern, a very quick pattern, but mm -hmm. they are not sing, they have a, a common pulse, but the patterns are very different. And by playing it together, they form a sort of um, a mega meta pattern, mm -hmm. super pattern. Okay. And this was inspired by the deer. And if you listen to the piece, it doesn't sound like piano music. It's, it sounds like like African music or, oh. or Sub-Saharian uh, okay. or Gamelan or whatever, but you will find out yourself. And as I understand, you work um, by hand and also with electronic music and algorithm. How do you decide which idea, in which way to compose? Do you make a decision on which way you um, should go? Yeah, it's, it's, um, or, or very much depending on the yeah okay so, so it's there is not a, maybe other composers have a certain workflow yeah, yeah, yeah. more or less the same but for me it's every piece very different completely yeah, different and yeah. it's really obvi um, obvious because your whole career and everything there's a lot of very different paths and very different composition techniques and a lot of different interests in different areas so it's mm -hmm. very um, natural that you don't have a same <laughs> pattern when composing yeah 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 for me it's important so because if i define myself uh, where where are my my ancestors yeah it's it's clearly uh it's clearly the the, the bnd school mm -hmm. and and the forums of course i i feel much Related to Beethoven, Bach, mm -hmm. and also medieval music, mm -hmm. and, and and Schoenberg once said uh, or formulated this this uh, thing that you should not not, not repeat anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. he always says 
uh, variation is a is a, a merit in itself. Mm -hmm. yeah? This is one of my credos. This is the reason why I don't like loops. And the funny thing <laughs> is that the Kalimba piece is a loop piece, mm -hmm. but the loops are so so. They, 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 you, have, you have so many loops at the same time that the loop is destroyed and, and creates yeah. something different. Yeah? Yeah. But but normally I don't like to to compose in the same pattern in the same way. I, I always try to mm -hmm. find a new answer and, and in order to um, discover new things. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And in what form do you usually sketch music? Mm. Um, in the in the very beginning, uh, so when I started my professional career in the nineties, uh, it, it was um, very often texts that I wrote, mm -hmm. some, some descriptions of ideas, yeah. but I wrote it uh, on paper. List. Um, yes, when, when I work with computers and when I program uh, algorithms, then this. Is also a documentation, so it, mm -hmm. it doesn't. You don't need to. It, no, yeah. Differently. Yeah. And sometimes I, I I sketch down maybe some some harmonies or, or pitches or, mm -hmm. or uh, rhythmic ideas. Um, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, what would you say? were the most defining moments in your career that formed you as an artist? Mm -hmm. The first was the encounter with the music of Anton Weber. Mm -hmm. It was in, I remember very exactly when it was, in 1983. <laughs> I guess it was before you were born. <laughs> 1983. It, this is important because it was the 100th birthday of Anton Weber. Mm -hmm. And I was a student at this time. Student of Friedrich Zerr. And I must tell you that in the beginning, when I started with him in 1983, we had a very, very difficult relationship mm -hmm. because he didn't like what I was doing and, okay. and I didn't feel supported by him. And he was very, very strict and, and unfriendly in a way. Later, we became very good friends, mm -hmm. but the first two years were horrible. And I remember that after the, the lesson, he um, said, come with me, we have to go to the concert. There is a, a, a concert of Wien Modern, mm -hmm. and there is a, an orchestra piece of Anton Webern, and you should hear it. At this time, he could enter the concertos whenever he wanted, and, and he didn't have to pay. Mm -hmm. yes, so it, it, was, it just yeah. sat me in. And uh, at this time, I, I, I was 23. I never heard the music of Webern. <laughs> and I was much more interested in in counterpointal, new tonalities, things. Yeah. Maybe Johann Nepomuk David, have you heard about him? He was an organ mm -hmm. composer from okay. Vienna, uh, early, early uh, 20th century. He was trying to um, continue the counterpointal art of Johann Sebastian mm -hmm. Bach. Yeah. And this I really loved. <laughs> and, and I said, I, I completely. Uh, abandon or uh, uh, refuse the music of, of the Vienna school. Mm -hmm. uh, Twelve tones over the place. No <laughs> computers, no, 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 no. And it, in 1983, uh, it happened that um, 
I heard this music for the first time. It was uh, the, the orchestra pieces Opus 6. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was completely flashed when I heard it. I, I had the feeling I was <laughs> brainwashed. I, I never had such a beautiful music. Yeah. And afterwards, I had. I say to myself, everything I, I had done before isn't worthless. I will start from the beginning. Yeah? Mm -hmm. and, and then I, I, I began to study the music of, of Weber, Berg and Schoenberg, but I was unable to compose. And my teacher said, I, I understand your situation, uh, but it's fine for me if you make analysis. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't need to compose, but you can come to my uh, lessons and then you bring something that you have analyzed. Mm -hmm. I started with Alban Berg. Mm -hmm. I think I was with his first string quartet. And the aim was that I wanted to know about every single note that is in the scoring. It's, it's not a, it's not a yeah. polycophony piece, so it, it's one of those three pieces. But still, there are lots of structural ideas, and I really had the, the idea or the, the, the wish to find out everything that's possible <laughs> in the score and, and this helped me a lot to create a very mm, different yeah. sort of mind. Yeah? And later I also studied musicology and I had to fight a, a dissertation uh, thing mm. and uh, I decided, well I, I had a, a, a teacher there and we discussed it and I said, I would like to write something about the Viennese school. They said, oh, it's, it's too big. You have to concentrate on some, some topic. Yeah. And then we came to Anton Weber and his late works. Because it's interesting, in his late works, he proclaimed that he wanted to make a, a um, synthesis between what he calls horizontal and vertical uh, representation of musical thoughts. So he was referring to the, let's say, harmonics is the principle, this is the vertical, and the horizontal, this is the counterpointal, and, and he named two uh, proponents for that, Bach and Beethoven. Okay. And, and in these late uh, verses, mainly the string quartet, Opus 28, he made an analysis in, in form of, his, of a letter that he wrote to a friend of him, where he uh, explained this concept, mm -hmm. uh, how he wanted to make the synthesis between Bach and Beethoven, and he give, gave co concrete examples of the score of his string quartet, where I say, in the first movement, in measure, blah, 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 you see that the model here is from Beethoven uh, uh, in his string quartet of Opus 133, yeah. uh, similar ideas, no? Mm -hmm. And at this time, when, when it was published in the in the 1960s, by Moldenhauer, uh, all people said, especially the serious people, like Gunes and Chopin said, this yeah. is completely nonsense. Weber didn't know what he was doing, and he was, uh, he was very uh, inventive, and, and he could not express it differently <laughs> as referring to traditional forms. Yeah? Yeah. So it was completely abandoned and, and, and found nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I, I found it interesting because I had the same problem. I, I came from a certain tradition, and I was very much interested in, in going further. And I tried to find this connection between mm -hmm. past and future. So Anton Weber was for me a wonderful uh, field yeah. of, of research. Yeah. And, and this um, helped me to uh, get very much into this uh, thinking. There's one thing in Anton Weber. What I really love is his 
early music, uh, which is completely free and not, not bound to any system. Also, I have written my thesis about his late pieces, which are very strongly um, pre-composed, you yeah, would say. But by studying this music of Weber, I came in contact with the music of the serialists, namely Schnockhausen and Hudes and, and others. This happened always at the same time in 83, 85. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine, Gerhard Ekel, who is now teaching or the professor, being professor of electronic composition mm -hmm. and computer music in Graz, he introduced me to the computer because he was very much into computers. And he said to me, you know, all the ideas that you have and, and that we exchanged about some structural uh, things, algorithms for creating musical forms or, or components can be also solved with a computer program. Mm. And then it happened that while I was writing my thesis, uh, a friend asked me to be a home sitter during the summer um, and they said you can you can stay in my flats and you can use my computer. It was 85 and at this time nobody had a computer and he had one. And there was a text processor of the computer and I started to, to write my yeah. thesis and I, I, I really did a lot of work. So I had 40-50 pages mm -hmm. and when he came back I said to him, I cannot work without a computer, what should I do? <laughs> and he said, well, uh, wait two months and, and, and a new machine is coming, it's called Atari. Uh, and, and you should get an Atari, which is similar to an Apple, mm -hmm. but not as expensive. Yeah. So I, I, I saved some money, bought the first Atari that was available in Austria. And then I, I started to uh, work with the computer, but there was no software in it. <laughs> it was a, a completely uh, blank system. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was a, a very bad text processor, and it was very—it wasn't possible to import the data that I had. From the other. So I had to type rewrite it, oh, no. <laughs> which was not bad because by this I was doing a lot of refinement, yeah. and it, it became better. Mm -hmm. And then um, I came along a programming language an experimental programming language called Logo, logically, um, is there something with logically? I don't know. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a dialect of a, a famous computer language called Lisp, Lisp processing. Um, but the interesting idea was that this logo was invented uh, by two people, a mathematician, Mario Linsky, and a pedagogic teacher from um, Gilmore Harcourt. Uh, so uh, a teacher and a mathematician developed a programming language for children. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, we give children tools, very easy tools, and those tools should enable them to build and construct their own worlds. Mm -hmm. The concept was microworlds, building microworlds. So Logo was a language which consists only of a very little um, basic uh, procedures, mm -hmm. very simple. But the good thing is that the, the output of the Logo was, was uh, a graphical device called Turtle. 
So it was it was a physical device. It was it looked like a turtle, and in the mouth of the turtle there was a, a pen, and you could give um, directions or commandments to the turtle what to do to move forwards, to turn 90 degrees, oh, nice. move another one, and so you could start uh, drawing figures, ornaments, okay. structures. So it has a sort of for children, no? but the, the the language concept is interesting because it says. You have to construct your own uh, vocabulary. Let's say a vocabulary could be uh, 12 ton row, yeah. and then it starts to create, construct 12 ton rows and, and with all the permutations and so on. Yes. Mm -hmm. And once you have defined this uh, procedure or, or uh, 12 ton row or uh, um, I don't know, inversion, whatever, mm -hmm. then you could use this word as a, as a new component of a, of a lexicon. And with these ideas, I started to um, program, yeah. um, let's say, a, a system for um, musical composition. Mm -hmm. um, and then, this was at the same time, uh, I came in contact with Gottfried Michael König. He was the assistant of Stockhausen in Cologne in the 50s. And he was the one of the pioneers in, in algorithmic composition. And he, at uh, this time when I visited him, he was uh, the, the head of the Institute for Sonology in Utrecht, which was one of the first computer music uh, studios in, in Europe, yeah. before, much before Jürgen. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gerhard had a, he was a sort of Erasmus student, it, it has a different name, but it was a, a, a student exchange program. And he was there, and I visited him, and I um, went to the library and found uh, scores of Koenig. And one one of the scores was a string quartet he wrote in 1959. Mm -hmm. And I started to score it and listened to the recording, which was played by the Lassalle Quartet. And it was really fantastic music. And I, I tried, I made a copy of it, and when I came home, I tried to make an analysis, because I, I had feeling I, I'm quite good in doing analysis of yeah. uh, contemporary music, but I completely failed. <laughs> so I was writing a, um, a letter to Koenig. At this time it was really a letter, not an email. And explaining my situation. And he wrote a very, very nice, charming letter and saying, well, it's clear that you couldn't uh, continue with your analysis because you should know this work was composed using random operations, <laughs> which I didn't expect it, but because the piece didn't sound random at all. Yeah. Okay, and by this, uh, a long uh, e uh, letter uh, discussion occurred of over several years, mm -hmm. and by this we became close friends, mm -hmm. and I visited him often, and also I was never his student, uh, I think I learned more from him. And, and, and he was the one who really introduced me, uh, or by his work I was introduced into his, uh, all these uh, ideas of uh, algorithmic composition, computer music, serial and post-serial ideas. And um, this was, after Weber Kuni was the next uh, rapid. And yeah. then I, this was, through my study times, and then I was, so to speak, free. Yeah. And the next thing was that I was invited to Jürgen, 
to uh, work there as a, as a composer for uh, writing a piece for ensemble and a new uh, computer system that they developed. Um, and by this I learned this computer language Max. Mm-hmm. You know? I've heard of it. This is uh, 1988. It was mm-hmm. invented. It was it was invented for Pierre Boulez because he needed um, a software for controlling the this music computer that was built. Yeah, in order to make a realization of his um, piece, ensemble piece, Pepper. Mm-hmm. It was a very very complex idea of Boulez with live electronics with uh, live ensemble being uh, microphones. Uh, live sound processing, uh, sound specialization. It was at this time it was impossible to realize. But then he, they started to build a machine for that, inventing a software. And, and the software uh, was um, given to some composers and they were asked to, to make a piece with the, with the computer in order to test it. Mm-hmm. And by this I came really in contact with Swiss Life Electronics. And this was yeah. the, the next step. Yeah? So you're really, like in your biography, your identity is as a composer, performer, improviser, media creator and a teacher and uh, yeah, and there's a lot of interest so I wonder how do you identify yourself? How I define myself? Yeah. Yes, always in between okay. two things. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> and sometimes, yeah, this... There was a, a time when, when score writing was very important, and then there came a time when improvising was mm-hmm. more important, and when media composition became in, in, the, in, in the focus. This uh, it's always changing a bit, yeah? mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing always this, always the same, mm-hmm. but um, I'm always informed or inspired by these different types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in your work with other art forms, uh, like uh, photography or mm-hmm. architect in these projects, I want to ask how do you work on connecting music with something else? Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I did was a collaboration with uh, uh, a very interesting artist, his name is Harald Negeli, and he is known as the sprayer from Zurich, mm-hmm. so he's he's now eighty. He's the, the age of my father, mm-hmm. and he was a sort of um, anarchistic artist who was uh, acting in open space with uh, spray cans. He was not a graffiti artist yeah. uh, as the young guys now, but he was he, he was the first graffiti artist. Who use spray cans mm-hmm. as an artist and not as a not as being part of a, of, of a subsidy of, mm-hmm. of a subculture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he did was he was uh, acting at night and uh, in anonymously, and uh, he was always making political statements. For example, he's Swiss, and there was a big uh, accident with uh, a chemical uh, plant where the, the the Rhine was poisoned and all the fishes. Died. Okay. And, and then he made a series which he called, uh, named uh, the Arsenal Totendamp, Tanz, mm-hmm. 
where he was uh, just spraying very quick gestures in black color with fish forms all over uh, the old part of the of the town of the medieval town of, mm. uh, but they were really nicely done it was not uh, a form of of destruction but just to uh, enhance also the architecture in, in a way in, in, in a way yeah. the thing is that this artwork has not survived, it was erased afterwards or cleaned, mm -hmm. but there was always a photographer with him who, who photographed it and there were books printed mm -hmm. afterwards and there's a good documentation. Later he was arrested and he was brought to jail and there were people, artists and politicians, many from Germany, like Josef Beuys, who were uh, acting as his advocates to free him and after mm -hmm. several weeks of being in jail he was released. I, I came in contact with Negeli in the late 80s through my wife. She know, knew him from before, from Germany, through France. Mm -hmm. And we met in Vienna. So he was 20 years older than me. I was a young student. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he was uh, a quite famous artist. Not doing spray actions anymore. He was okay. making sketches. Ah, this is, this oh, is Negeli. Yeah. <laughs> This is Nigli. It's, it's an original, yeah? Oh, nice. So, uh, the, the one thing is this display actions, which are very gestural and very reduced. Some gestures and yeah, this. Yeah. And this is done with, a, with, a, with black ink and fever. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and the interesting thing is that you can read it from each direction. Yeah? <laughs> so, it's... Uh, and it's also the way... It is also the way how he, he works on it. Mm -hmm. um, he's always changing the orientation of the book. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And then he starts, you see these little particles. Yeah? Yeah. Tuk, 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 tuk. Uh, it's like a little bit like granular synthesis, yeah? but, <laughs> yeah. but with, um, with visuals. And he came to Vienna because he was studying um, the. Um, uh, graphics and the sketches and drawings of a um, Renaissance artist, Albrecht Altdorfer, who was based in Vienna mm -hmm. in the 16th century. And he used this, this type of technique in yeah. order to, um, for his um, drawings, in order to make the shadows or articulate some. Uh, Structures of pillars, yeah. It was just, yeah, yeah. It, it was not the content of the painting, but it was a technique in order to make different plasticity, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he went to Albertina at this time. Albertina was not a, this, this famous museum as it is uh -huh. now, it was yeah. more the graphical collection. And, okay. and he had these originals, and he could study them. And then he had the idea to use this type of uh, particle drawing, as he called it. Mm -hmm. um, for uh, but now with spray cans, so everything is on the on the on the larger scale. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this idea was to make a performance uh, with spray can uh, a spray can performance in museums and galleries, where he was not spraying on on um, on walls, mm -hmm. but he had a sort of 
structure made of uh, acrylic glass, yeah? which was standing uh, like a big architecture in architecture. It was a sort of uh, cross form. Oh, okay. Yeah? And he was more or less dancing inside his spray uh, cans and making his gestures. Yeah, yeah. And he said to me, so we, we, we met and, and, and we discussed about art and music. He knows a lot of music. He was enormous educated. And he said to me, I, I feel so much uh, common interest. I would like to collaborate with you. Could you write a piece for me? <laughs> and I said, for a performance, and I said, I've never done it before. How should I do it? I cannot. Yeah. Do you think that I should write a score and then you should play the score while you are uh, open, completely free and independent? And they said, no, no, that's not the right way. You have to invent something else. And by this, <laughs> I, I was really challenged, yeah? because this, yeah, yeah. this, I could not do this. Yeah? And then I, it came into my mind that I, I, I will use the same ideas or the same structural components that he was using in his performance. So he had a spray can, mm -hmm. and with the spray can, he was e either making little points or he made some some longer things like like lines mm -hmm. and then he was in between he was always shaking the spray can <laughs> you know in order to yeah, yeah. For, the, for the cover and inside the spray can there is a little wall and it makes a chuck, 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 chuck. yeah so I said okay this is a three musical events I have <laughs> yeah? yeah, and then I said, "Okay, I will now look for three music spray cans." So, okay, a violin is not a good spray can, but a saxophone could be a spray can because it's, it has also this shape, and it, it has something to do with air, yeah, and it has um, uh, the the clapping, yeah, yeah, and and the flute and. I flew a bass clarinet and a saxophone, mm -hmm. and then wrote a piece for them, which is not notated uh, in, 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 in a traditional or conventional music notation, but is a graphic notation. Mm -hmm. And the graphic notation was not was uh, invented in a way that I had these three elements: what I called the, the lines, the points, and the grids. Mm -hmm. And I invented some vocabulary of signs. And then I made a, a computer program which were organizing these materials and bring it into a form. And, and if you run the, the program uh, for a second time, it would create a similar version, but a different one. Okay. So I created, because inside the computer there are a lot of random operations. Mm -hmm. So I created uh, several uh, independent layers mm -hmm. and gave it to the musicians and they would play it completely independently, but as the music is so open, it would always create something together. Yeah. And, and with him upon the, as a performer, it, it was perfect. It was really good. So oh. we, we showed in, in several uh, art museums in, 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 in big ones, in, mm -hmm. in Düsseldorf and, and, and Zurich, and we showed it at the Darmstadt of Ehrenkurse. And, and it was really, really super successful. And for me, a, a completely new um, approach. Mm -hmm. So this, this yeah. brought me into this open form of things. Mm -hmm. you know?
and, and different types of, of music implementation. Maybe for the end I want to ask about your view and your opinion about the Austrian music scene of today. <laughs> this is so hard to say because yeah. especially if you're inside the scene. So it's well I have some some favorites. One of my favorites is Pierre Stuba. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a very, very big admirer of him. We were good friends. So yeah. We know each other since <laughs> since very long. Yeah. And I, I really, really like what he's doing. Mm -hmm. he's a and it's interesting to see that a lot of young musicians are, are coming up now mm -hmm. and they have changed uh, their understanding. When I was uh, brought up as a composer, uh, there was still this idea of composers, an independent person working mostly alone on his desk and <laughs> inventing new worlds. Yeah. And for me, the big change came in 19, 19, 1997 mm -hmm. when I was uh, presented at the Salzburg Festival. And I had really great performances with good ensembles, also modern platform and whatever. And after everything was over, I fell into a big depression because I thought, okay, this was now the, 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 the climax of my career, and what comes afterward? <laughs> and I thought, no, I, don't, I, I, I can't live like this. I mean, I don't like to, to sit at home in splendid isolation, yeah. writing my scores, yeah. and, and I rather like to be on stage. As I did when I was a uh, rock musician, jazz musician before when I was yeah, yeah. a teenager. And, and this is when I started to um, work with uh, improvisation and, and constructed my own instrument, my electronic instrument, where I did a lot of, lot of many, many improvisational kicks and mm -hmm. improvisational plays performance. So I, at this time, I, 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 I turned from composition more to experimental music, yeah. improvisation, electronic music, and later I, I started to combine this. Yeah? Okay. So, and to, to this day you're working in the scene of improvisational scene? Music? Not so much, no. No, more, more composition, mm -hmm. no, and, and um, um, also collaboration is always important. So nowadays I do collaborations with dancers mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, also with a writer. So we work together <laughs> on a wonderful project, which is completely free with no commission. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only done because it's important for me and for him. The thing is, um, since many years I'm making feature recordings. And I don't know whether you understand what field recordings is or what it means. Did you do it yourself? No. No? So it's captured sounds, recording sounds of the environment. Mm -hmm. And other, other people are making videos, others are doing photos. But recording a sound at a, at a special place gives me, later when I listen to it, a very close uh, uh, memory of the space, yeah. what happened, and then the whole the scenery, and that's the reason why I, 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 I did so-called field recordings for, for many, many years with different technical devices. Mm -hmm. In the beginning it was 
for a big interaction with yeah. microphones. And nowadays we can do it with a mobile. <laughs> yeah. and, and but we have there are also good microphones that you could connect to your mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, uh, cell phone. Yeah. And what I uh, discovered, rediscovered uh, a year ago, was the possibility to make sound recordings. Uh, where you use your ears as microphones. Okay. So the question is, when you you have two ears, yeah, but with your two ears you can hear three dimensional. So you know this is up, behind, yeah. down. Yeah. How is it possible? How is it possible? Why, why, why is it possible that we that we that our brain construct the source of the sound. <laughs> this is why, because our it's very different with two microphones. You can't do that, yeah. Because we have this uh, here, mm -hmm. the ormushel, and this it has a certain shape. You see, it? it's a very complex shape. It's a sort of a direction, <laughs> so it gives a direction. We have the nose. This is another direction, yeah. Yeah. And this is what our brain learns from the baby times, mm -hmm. so that the different sounds uh, come from different points because they have a different, they, they are angle. different, huh? angle, angle. angle yeah. and, and it comes from, uh, there's on the one hand a time difference, if you know like this, yeah. this is, comes earlier than there, and there's also a change, not, on, not only the time, but only in the, in the color, yeah? yeah, because this is, has more tones, because this is filtered, yeah? Hmm? Okay. And by all this information, our brain is able to reconstruct, it's a reconstruction, uh, a, um, a perception, a reconstruction of, of the environment, of, of reality. Mm -hmm. But if you have two microphones or a normal handheld uh, device and you make a sound recording and listen afterwards, it sounds very strange. Like if you make a photo, <laughs> of the outside, it's it's flat. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It has no depth. But if you put microphones into your ears, small microphones, uh. <laughs> yeah, then your head becomes the microphone. Nice. If you make a recording with this and you listen afterwards with headphones, you will really hear three-dimensional. It's like it's a three nice. movie. Yeah. It's so different. It's, the, the result is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And these microphones are. They were used in the, in the early 1970s. The technology was called Kunstkopf. Mm -hmm. It was really an artificial head built of plastic. <laughs> it looked like a head. And it, it, it had uh, anatomically uh, molded ears. Nice. And inside it has microphones. Uh, it's a little bit awkward carrying <laughs> such a head around. <laughs> it's very heavy. And it's, and it's extremely expensive. Such a head costs yeah. seven thousand euros. Okay. Yeah, it's it's still produced, but it's it's too much. And it's uh, if you are let's say in, in a situation which is very very delicate, intimate, like in a in in a, in, a, in, a, in a restaurant where you want to record mm -hmm. what people eat and and, and whisper and, and and all these subtle sounds and this atmosphere of hmm? then it's impossible to put the microphone here. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will say they kick you out. Yeah? So you need something that is completely in, uh, invisible. But now this becomes a recorder. 
Mm-hmm. And it records exactly as I'm hearing. Yeah? Cool. And this I can later process. Yeah. Yeah? Okay, and, and using t- this technology, I was starting a, a project with a nice title. It's called HEAD. <laughs> yeah? But HEAD is an acronym. Mm-hmm. Do you know what an acronym is? The short. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have to fix it here. And an acronym needs also um, a sort of resolution. Yeah? So the resolution of HEAD, it's H-E-A-D, is hearing entirely artificial domains. And this is the, the name of a work in progress where I am recording um, binaural, this is the yeah. technology, binaural soundscapes uh, in a different, in a, in a specific setting. For example, the first recording I did in Graz. Yeah? Um, Graz, generic research on ambient zones. Ah, yeah? okay. So I recorded four different uh, sounds in the city. The one was uh, the traffic, close to park, at the red light where lots of cars are stopping and pedestrians and, and, and cyclists are moving. Mm-hmm. There's always a, a, a sort of interesting sound because it's not continuous. There's always a flow of, 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 of traffic and then it stops. Then it becomes silent, and the and the, the um, pedestrians go, yeah. and it starts again. Then I was on the farmers market, no traffic, uh, people talking, children. Yeah. yeah. Then I was at the at the um, Hochschule, at the music university. Have you been there in Graz? Yeah. It's a nice park. It's a mm-hmm. It's a park and a, a nice old building, yeah. and the birds singing in this little <laughs> creek, very calm and natural. And behind me, there was somebody on the vibraphone playing. Yeah. And there was another sound. Ah, this was the, in the middle of the of, of the city, uh, a place where all the different trams come together. Mm-hmm. This was at eight in the morning. So there were lots of trains coming, going, <laughs> people going in and out, drinking their coffee, talking, yeah? So very different situations. And then I made a sort of computer program that makes a sort of random mix of all these different sounds. And by this, you would flo- float mm. from one situation to the other. And what it creates is, is a sort of a dream, yeah? yeah. So, Things happen that never could happen, yeah. <laughs> but as they are so hyper realistic, yeah, yeah, you have the feeling that you're really into the scene. So it's 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 very strange. Yeah? So I was working a lot with these ideas, and in the last one and a half years, I was doing twenty five different pieces, uh, and and uh, it was not always like like rats, but. Uh, I was, um, for example, in Oslo. Mm-hmm. The, the good thing is Oslo has four letters, yeah? <laughs> so I could do something in Oslo. Yeah. And I was, once I was in a, in a 
nice restaurant with a very good cook, who's a, a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And I asked him whether I, he would allow me to go into the kitchen and make a recording when he was working with his crew. And it was amazing because, you know, it's, they're like musicians, so they have the, the task and they give orders and, and yeah. everybody knows what to do. And, and there's also some joke and they have some humor. And mm -hmm. yeah. So I recorded the kitchen, I recorded the audience, <laughs> the people that were eating and yeah. made something out of this. Yeah? Okay, and this, um, just for me and for, for people who like it, and then I asked a friend of mine who is a poet whether he could, um, what he thinks about it, because I, I asked him, could you imagine writing some small texts that it's like inner voice, it's like some, you, you, you listen to the soundscapes and, and, and in, the, in your inner voice tells you something <laughs> about the scenery, what, what happens. And he became very, very much interested. He was listening a lot to this. And then I gave him all the information about the different soundscapes, where they have been recorded, how it looked. Yeah. And out of this, he, he wrote small texts, spoke with his own voice, and then we put it into this soundscape. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. So this is something that if it works out, it should be played once in the radio because we have a sort of art radio uh, program here in, in, in the Austrian radio, and then it's 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 not a, it, it's sort of feature, it's sort of soundscape, it's sort of Hörspiel, it's something in between. Yeah? But this this is a free project and it has nothing to do with international music and a lot to do yeah? because the ideas are the same, of course. Yeah? But it's very much related to real world. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I have more questions, I don't know yeah. how long you like I wanted to ask you that you had uh, any artistic idea that was impossible to make or that you didn't manage to Yes, it was uh, <laughs> an orchestra piece yeah. that I did once. This was the idea to, to use no normal sounds, only, only non-pitched sounds. Mm -hmm. yeah? And this was, it is possible to do with an orchestra, but you need a lot of rehearsals and a, a, a lot of authority yeah. to tell the people how to play. It's like Lachmann, yeah? Mm -hmm. So if, if Lachmann always had the big problems, when an orchestra who didn't like his music, didn't know about the playing techniques, mm -hmm. couldn't play his music, the same happened to me. And I was a little bit naive, it was uh, quite in, in the beginning of my career, I got this commission and said, I would like to take this challenge and make a very, a very atmospheric thing with, with a large orchestra and everybody, there's only soloists and they have no normal sounds, yeah. always these textures and Sharina, mm -hmm. like, I didn't know Sharina this time, but yeah. <clears throat> maybe I, I, I didn't notate it well enough, I don't know, okay. it was a complete disaster because the musicians, uh, the normal musicians couldn't play it or tried to imitate it and the percussionists, they had eight percussionists were playing very loud and it was really horrible. Yeah. This was, okay. It was a, a, a really bad experience and, um, uh, yeah, yeah. and the, the piece 
it has been played once, and, and there's a recording, but it's, it's <laughs> in fact, it's, it has not been played yet, so it's... Okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe I need to rewrite it, please clean it up and make it more clear, uh, but, but this is this what we have experienced. Mm -hmm. And maybe could you um, talk a little bit about the instrument that you played? Mm -hmm. The... Uh, and at the... Maze. 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 Did you came up with the idea? Yeah, it started with a with a project. This was right after my my science school experience, where I would have taken a sort of this progression afterwards. And I said I had to do something new. I started mm -hmm. completely, and I had the feeling I, I, I need to buy I had to build an instrument for myself because I cannot play piano or guitar or double bass as before. I'm completely out of this, and it's. I need to start from something new. So at this time it was in the 1998. This was the time when Apple introduced a machine with a, with a processor which was fast enough to make real-time sound synthesis. At this time, the so-called G3 processor. And with this, um, it was possible for the first time to make live electronic music on the laptop but I was one of the first to do it so I was the, the means were very limited and I found uh, to use samples pre-recorded by um, I had I have a big library of, of, of little sound particles mm -hmm. yeah, for each instrument I, okay. I recorded tons of sounds yeah. with all instruments that you can imagine mm -hmm. these are not long structures it's more like like this, yeah? And out of this I had a sort of um, I, I put those, I ordered the sounds in a sort of um, category system because I, I, each sound has a, has a that there are different types of, of uh, sounds that are described more in, in terms of um, um, how they appear from seen from the outside, is it a is it a short sound? Is it a ripped sound? Is it a rhythmic sound? Is it a, a flowing sound or something like that? Yes. Yeah? I don't know whether you know this article of, of Helmut Lachmann, Klang Typen der neuen Musik. Have you heard about that? I think it was written in 1972 in the Zeitschrift für Musiktheorie. He described, he made a phenomenology of sounds in contemporary music. It's very, very interesting. Well, I, I think I have it here. So he was um, speaking about um, these different types of sounds and he gave always examples mm -hmm. from different pieces from him, yeah. but also from others. Yeah? And it's interesting because he was uh, describing the sounds not from the aesthetic value or from the historical position, but only a, as a sound phenomenon. Yeah. 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 And he, he came up with different uh, main categories and, and, and with subcategories. It's a little bit like what I had with the 
Flächenpunkte gibt, pitched, unpitched, semi-pitched. Yeah. And with these ideas. And, and I organized my, my sounds, my recordings that I made from the instruments, yeah. also in this system. And then I had a sort of uh, thesaurus. Yeah. And out of this, my computer program could take out sounds out of this and could combine them in a way. Mm -hmm. So I could say, I now I would like to work with points that are unpitched but played on the flute. And then he would give me some suggestions and I could play with it. Yeah? Yeah. And the nice thing is that it's, it's a sort of completely, it's, it's a sort of software that you can just start and then it starts playing by itself. So this is a sort of um, generative composition, or a, it's a composition form of a computer program, yeah. but it's always different, yeah? it never repeats itself. Okay, mm -hmm. so we have, uh, I don't know, so many different generators. Okay. One is called fire, that makes Yes. <laughs> uh, one is point, makes point structures, uh -huh, okay. grid planes, drones, figures, burps, nuage, pulses. Yeah. And then as a conductor that switches on and off with different modules. Mm -hmm. And the modules have a, a, a living by itself. So they, they make some decisions about what sounds to use and which rhythms they play it. Mm -hmm. And they play together. So we just listen to it yeah, and see yeah. what it does. much inspired by this, this aesthetics of new complexity, yeah? Okay, And gestural and, and expressive, mm -hmm. yeah? And not non-idiomatic, uh, yeah? Okay. Okay, and this is the is a small core of Amazing Maze. This is, the, this is Amazing Maze, and Maze is the, is the big program that I use then for my composition, or for mm -hmm. my improvisations. Okay. And uh, this contains, this is a tiny aspect, but there are a lot of different other mm -hmm. modules that yeah. I can control. Mm -hmm. 
and I used it mainly for uh, improvisation. And then I I played with a lot of people, and at a certain time I was not so interesting to do to play with anybody. Mm -hmm. okay. So I, I I formed a duo with with a singer. <laughs> and the thing is that we never rehearse, so we only meet for concerts. <laughs> and she's wonderful. She's um, a singer who has a jazz background and a classical training, mm -hmm. and she can do a lot of extended techniques with the sound. And she's a very good ear, and she can immediately respond to to things. Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. So we have a project that is called Out of the Blue, and she always prepares herself with po poems mm -hmm. that, that she researches to mostly to a certain scene. And I prepare myself with music and sounds. Mm -hmm. And then we meet on stage without any discussion before what we play and what we do. Yeah. And then we we play and react and it sounds <laughs> like it's it's a piece. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> This was made in a museum. Mm -hmm. There was an exhibition dedicated to an artist who already died. And he's an artist of a direction called Abrut. So this is these are artists who are mostly psychiatric patients. They are, okay. they are painting, mm -hmm. but they have no uh, formal education. Okay. Yeah. And, and this guy, this, this August Waller, mm -hmm. he was always also writing. He was completely maniac and crazy. Okay. And these poems are incredible. Yes. And she was using the text of him. So you, you see here the, the context. Uh, when she, as a singer, at me with electronics. Mm -hmm. This was free conversation. It was no, no, nothing we spoke about it. I didn't <laughs> know the text that she was using. So this just explains a little bit what this thing yeah. is. Stands for me, no? Yeah. Yeah, it's quite unique. Yeah, I mean it's 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 if something for real time composition. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's more than just the instrument. Yeah? But it needs it needs always preparation for it because I there comes the good composition aspect because for each concert I prepare several sets of sounds and and and, and mm -hmm. ideas okay. that I will use. And this I prepared in front mm -hmm. so that I know that all fits together. Yeah. And with this with this pre-composed material I can work then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Okay. Thank you. <laughs> it was very what are you doing now? <laughs>